listen, I want to ask y'all a question today. I got a question for you. Who taught you how to count your blessings? Man, who taught who taught you how to count your blessings? Oh, we man, I got some stuff to share with you guys. And now this this, might, this probably won't be a long episode, um, but it'll be but it'll be it'll be impactful. Right. So who taught you how to count your blessings? Do you realize that as you're navigating through life, man, a lot of times when we go through things, we don't realize that the bad that we're going through is really ordained by God and is going to work out for our good. Now, the thing is, for a believer, like that should not be the reality because the Bible clearly says all things work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes, right? The Bible tells us it's going to work out. It's going to work out for your good. It's going to work out in your favor, even though it, it, it doesn't it doesn't say that it's always going to feel good. I don't say it's going to feel good, but it said it's going to work out for your good. And the thing that we do, I know and I speak for myself. I am notorious and I believe all humans are for going through a situation. And, and in the moment that you're going through it, you think it's the worst thing ever. And perhaps, well, I'm not going to say it yet. So, so you think it's the worst thing ever. And so you label it as bad or the worst thing ever or, you know, this is a dark period in my life. But sure enough, as you get past that and you get on the other side of that storm, other side of that difficulty or whatever it is, you can look back at a lot of things and say, man, if I had not gone through that, I would not have gotten this blessing. Or if I hadn't gone through that, I would not have gotten this or that or I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't know this. You feel me? And so sometimes we mislabel our we, we mislabel our um, our situation that we're going through. We, we, we label it too early because, you know, when they say hindsight is 2020, oftentimes you really can't see God's hand on your life until hindsight, especially when it doesn't feel good. Like when it feel good, feels good, whether it's God or not, we tend to attribute it to him. Right. <laughs> you know, ooh. I got a I got a good parking spot right up at the front. This must be God. I mean, you know, it. I don't. Let me not get into that and folks, you know, theology and whatever. But I, I don't know if that I, I I don't know if that's God, right? The Bible says that the rain it rains on the just and the unjust, right? And what that means is good and bad happen to good and bad people, right? So just just because something, quote unquote, good that you label good in your life happens. That does not mean that that's God. But also, it does not mean that whatever you label as bad is actually bad. What is, as a matter of fact, what is bad? How, how would you define, how do you define what is bad in your life? Like, how, how do you define if something bad has happened to you? Is it based on the pain that you felt in it? Is it based on um, how lost you felt? Is it based on how alone you felt? Like what makes a situation bad? And if a situation is bad in the moment, how how does it become good in the future? Or can it become good in the future? Meaning when you look back at it in in hindsight, you say, oh, you know what? I thought that was bad, but it was actually good. Like, so let me give you an example. 
from the Bible so you know what I'm talking about. So uh, Joseph told his body. So Joseph, Joseph had, you know, had the dream. He had the coat of many colors given to him by his daddy. And so Joseph had a dream about his brothers bowing down and worshiping him. And, you know, he was a little arrogant about it. You know, he told them, you know, well, since y'all going to bow down anyway, might as well go ahead and get some practice in. And so his brothers hated him, not just because of the dream. Actually, they didn't hate him because of the dream. The dream was just an add-on. They hated him because his dad loved him more than he loved them. So anyway, story goes, they took Joseph, threw him in a pit, then took him out, and they ended up selling, selling him into slavery. That looks like a bad situation. Like, it looks like a terrible situation. But from the pit to the palace, because Joseph eventually ends up as prime minister of Egypt, right? So he would not end up as prime minister of Egypt if he had not been thrown into the pit. If he had not had the animosity of his brothers against him, he would not have ended up in the place where God wants to use him to save and deliver his brothers, his dad, like his family. He wouldn't have been in a position. So, so in the moment while he was going through it, I'm sure he was pleading for his life because I mean, he probably thought he was going to die. Right. And I sure, I'm sure he thought this is, this has to be a terrible, terrible situation. My blood brothers are selling me into slavery. And they're like, I don't have, I didn't get to say goodbye to my dad. Right. I didn't like, I'm just out here. And I, I would presume those had to be some sleepless nights, but from the palace, Joseph did not see the pit as such a bad thing anymore because it was because of the pit that he was in the palace. And even Joseph said when, the, when his brothers found out when they came to Egypt during the famine and they found out that Joseph was Joseph, they were terrified. And Joseph said, Hey, don't be afraid. I'm not going to do nothing to you. What you meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Right. And so, so many situations in our life happen that way. That's why the Bible is adamant about trusting God. You have to trust him. I heard somebody say this uh, a while ago, a long time ago. You have to trust him when you cannot trace him. And what that means is you got to trust God when you cannot see how he's moving, where he's moving to and what he's going to do next. You got to trust him. But why trust him? Because he knows what he's doing and he loves you and he wants what's best for you. So if the God of the universe loves you, and if the God of the universe knows everything, he knows everything about you. He knows how to maximize your life. He knows how to make you happy. He knows how to make you feel good. He knows what you want and need. And he loves you like nobody else ever could. With that reality in mind, if he then allows you to go through what you call a difficult time, you trust him because you recognize, number one, that all things work together for the good of those who love him. But then you also recognize everything else that I just said. He's the all powerful, all knowing, all seeing God, and he loves you like no one else. So whatever you're going through, the purpose of it is not your demise. The purpose of it. So so think about this. If the purpose is not your demise, like if God is not trying to let your storm destroy you, then the only other thing it must be is preparation. And you got to see when you're in a storm, you got to see stuff as preparation for something. You may not know what, but something 
that God is preparing for you in the future that requires maybe a different skill set, different character, different mindset or whatever, but it's going to be greater. And a lot of times we don't get to greater because we can't trust God for greater because we're in the midst of the pain and being in the pain, then we won't trust him. We won't trust him to get us out of it. So then we try to come up with all kinds of schemes and plans to get ourselves out of it, which means we're not trusting him. So then if the storm does pass or let up, we think, okay, I got myself out of that. I'm good. The problem is you didn't learn the lesson that God allowed the storm to come that it was supposed to teach you. And so now guess what? You got to find yourself in another storm because you got to get the lesson because you need the skills to do what it is God has called you to do in the future. What does he call you to do? I don't know, but he does. And so he knows why he is allowing what he is allowing in your life. It may not make sense to you, but that does not mean that it doesn't make sense. Okay. So my question again, who taught you how to count your blessings? Because if you've been counting your blessings simply based on the good that you experience, you have miscounted. Right. You you have miscounted your blessings. If the only blessings that you recognize, that you notice, that you see are the ones that you determine are good, because there are some things that you determine are good and it's not even good on another human's. If another human was to look at that, they would say, yeah, no, that ain't good, let alone God. Right. But if you're counting your blessings because, oh, yeah, this feels good or this is I got a raise. That's great. We won't know until it runs its course whether or not it was a blessing. Right. So who taught you how to count your blessings? Right. Because I want to share something with you uh, in this episode. I'll share something with you today that um, will help you with a different perspective so that you can count your blessings more accurately. Right. And really, I just want to give you two. I was going to talk about two little situations, excuse me, two little situations to show you how God, man, how God moves. But, but I will say this, you know, so, so that I'm clear and not confusing when I'm talking, as I'm talking about counting your blessings, sometimes you actually cannot count the actual blessing until hindsight. So so while you're in a difficult storm, I'm not saying that you're always going to know, oh, yeah, this is God's doing. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in the storm, trust God. When the storm is over, then you'll be able to see if that was God or if that was the enemy. But the thing is, even if it is the enemy, it turns out to be a blessing because God used something in that to bring you through and make you better for the next thing, whatever it is he has prepared for you. That's Joseph's story. So uh, it was the enemy inside of his brothers, making them do, do the evil of putting him in the pit. But God used their jealousy and evil to bless Joseph with what he wanted to bless him with. Now, the thing is, because life often is a series of blessings and downfalls, blessings and downfalls. What do I mean by that? So Joseph gets out of the pit, goes to the palace and he's working for Potiphar. But then he get in a situation where his character is tested. He passed the character test, but he loses on the, you know, uh, his boss having confidence in him because uh, Miss Potiphar lied and said that he tried to 
rape her. So he goes to prison. So now this brother is in, he was in the pit. Now he's in the palace. But now from the palace, he goes back to prison. So now he's locked up again. Locked up. Won't let me out. He's locked up. Right? Surely, again, he's thinking, wow, like, I thought God had delivered me, but now here I am innocently in prison, not of my own doing. Let me tell you something. When you find yourself in a storm, most of our storms that we go through, we cause, if, if we're honest. Most of your life storms, you, you cause them. Okay? Okay. Okay. Most of my life storms I caused. Let, let me be clear about that, right? But there are some storms that you don't cause. Like, it just shows up. Those specifically... The storms that just show up, no matter how severe, you should trust God regardless. Like, you know, you know what? I have not done anything to deserve this. So this must be God at work. God's going to use this to do something like that's what that's what I hope. Not. I'm saying that's what my mindset would be. I hope that's what my mindset would be. I don't know if it would be that if I'm in prison, to be honest with you. And I see these stories of people going to prison for, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years for crimes they didn't commit, when they get out, I always ask myself, how in the world did you make it 30 years, 20, 10 years? Because me being convicted of a crime that I did not do, I don't see how I'm going to make it a year. Y'all going to have to have me on 24-7, 365 suicide watch. I'm just telling you. Pris I'm not about that prison life. Like, and then folk do 30 years for a crime they did not commit and they get out. How did you do that? Right. But here's Joseph back in prison, not of his own doing. So, um, so I'm making a point that when, when you find yourself in a storm and you know that you are not the direct cause of it, that is an opportunity to trust God at the highest level because you know that all things work together for the good of those who love him. And he is going to work that thing out in a way. That is going to be amazing. At least that's what I believe. That's the faith that I have, right, for the situation. So let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what happened to me. Um, and I'm going to be a little transparent, but uh, I know because my story includes other people, I can't be as transparent as if it was just me, right? But I'll, I'll be transparent enough and you'll be able to get, get the picture, okay? So me and my wife... Um, you know, I'm we, we, so first of all, we have a regular marriage, right? I'm a very, very good therapist, but I'm a regular human and we have a regular marriage. So what does that mean? That means we have ups and downs like every other real marriage on the planet. We got ups and downs. And so thankfully, I believe we've gotten to the place in our marriage where we really do have more ups than downs. That wasn't always the case. Trust and believe that was not always the case, right? But these days, I do believe that there are more, there are more ups than downs. So anyway, um, it's been good for a while. And then last week, I believe, me and my wife had a conversation. And the conversation didn't go so well, okay? And then after that, we had another conversation. And then I got some revelation about my wife, right? See, this sound being giving you, being transparent without giving too much details. I got a revelation, uh, some revelatory information about my wife that really hurt me. 
And yeah, you just gonna have to speculate and that's, you know, make up whatever you want to make up. <laughs> right. But it's, it's not important because it's not the point anyway. So I was hurt by it. Right. And we had a conversation about that in the conversation about that. I felt like my wife was not showing enough remorse, which made me more hurt and angry. So now the next day I, so, so from that conversation and, and like maybe the next day I experienced, and I already told my wife this, right. But I experienced the darkest, the lowest day uh, in my marriage to date. Now, I say day because that's all it lasted. Um, when I was in it, I said, man, this is this is the worst. I've, this is the lowest I've ever been in my marriage. This is the this is the darkest my marriage has ever been for me. Right. I can't believe this. And the thing is, I am grateful to my uh, I, I'm grateful uh, that I didn't like leaving never came to my mind. I, it, it never came to my mind to leave. I was really crushed. I was really hurt. But leaving never came to my mind. Thank goodness. Right. So anyway. So I'm thinking like, man, how do how do we get past this? How do I like how do I um still interact with my wife and not be mean, right? How do I, like, I just, how do I do this? I don't know, Lord, how do I do it? And so then uh, the next day, so literally I'm telling you, it was the darkest time in my marriage, but the next day, and I didn't know it was only going to last a day, by the way, I thought it was, I thought I was going to go through hell for a while. So anyway, the next day I'm still in the space where I am, but you know, because I'm working from home and my wife was working from home that day, uh, she came out of her office and she looked disheveled is the best word that I can I can think of. Like she looked like it was a body, but she was not there. And it got me to thinking, I'm like, wow, man, she looks like she is not having a good day. Now, I know if I'd have asked her, you know, if you're having a good day, she said she would have said she was fine. But anyway, so that got me to thinking. I was like, you know, I don't want my wife to feel like she is unloved because when I when I mess up or when I'm, you know, when I'm out of God's will or, or whatever, if I if I mess up at home or if I mess up with a friend or whatever, if I when I mess up in life, what I don't want or need is to be left alone. I don't need isolation. I don't need more punishment. I'm beating myself up enough. Right. So when I mess up, what I need is comfort. And so I started thinking about that. And I was like, you know, although I'm not I'm not feeling really affectionate towards my wife right now. The way that she translates love is through physical touch, like touching her makes her feel loved. And so I said, I don't want, you know, even though I'm not happy with her right now, I do not want my wife feeling unloved. And so I put my side, my pride to the side and I began. So first thing I did was I hugged her. I just held her. Right. I said, hey, come give me a hug. And I just held her. Right. And then later on in the day, I think I gave her another hug. That night I made sure I cuddled with her and uh, I noticed something. Here's what I noticed. I noticed that. When I was hurt, I could not see her as the precious, special gift that God has given me. Right. And watch this. I had a right to be upset. 
Like the, I had a right to be upset. But while I was there, I really couldn't see my wife. But the next day, when I saw her with my eyes, then I was able to see her with my heart and pride moved out of the way and love came in and love would not let me let her feel alone. And so I made a choice, not based on a feeling. I hope y'all following me because this is good. I made a choice based on my, ch- I, I mean, I made a choice not based on my feelings, but based on love to do what she needs done to feel love because while I am where I am, I didn't feel like I was as low as she was. And, and I can, you know, you know, pick myself up. She, I don't think she didn't look like she was in a place where she could pick herself up. And so I put me to the side and I started loving on her. At the same time, I'm going through, uh, you know, last week I did this uh, communication and conflict resolution challenge. Right. So in the midst of the challenge, I'm teaching for five days. And this happened right in the middle of the challenge. So. I go through uh, the challenge and as I'm teaching in the challenge, the things that I'm saying, I actually it's like God presents me with the opportunity to walk that out. Like as far as getting getting out of pride and and walking in love and forgiving and that kind of thing. So I did that. So anyway, fast forward all the way to day five. Day five, the topic is uh, how to have hard conversations. And so this was a new presentation. I hadn't even taught this before. So. I taught not this way. I've taught on that topic, but I hadn't taught this content. And so I taught that and uh, it was amazing. It was amazing for me. It was amazing for the participants. And my wife said that it was amazing for her also. And so we had a real moment um, Friday night, like just talking about, you know, the whole thing and what she got from it. And man, it was at that moment the actual no, no, it was the next day because then last night I was thinking about it again. And then it was last night when I realized something that Dr. Myron Golden told told us a while back, back in August. He says, and I, it, there's a law connected to it, a principle connected to it. Basically, uh, it seems like the law of entropy, but I'm not sure. But uh, things have to go down before they can go up. Right. So he talked about how, like, when you plant a, if you want a tree, the way for a tree to become a tree, first, the seed has to go down under the ground and then a tree can come up. And he gave an example of when an eagle teaches the baby to fly. The eagle pushes the baby eagle out the nest and the eagle goes down. The mom comes, swoops him up, picks him back up, put him back in the in the nest. And that happens a few times. But the point is this. The eagle has to go down. The baby eagle before it then can get the strength to fly up. So that same concept shows up here. Uh, and I don't remember what day it was. I'll go back and look, you know, get the exact date. So when I tell this story, if that's important, you know, people want to know the exact date. It's not really that important. But one day, let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. In one week, in a matter of a week, I experienced the worst day and one of the best days in my marriage in the same week. Like, that's crazy to me. But when I was in the worst day, I would not have counted that as a blessing. I just would not have. But in hindsight, I clearly see that that dark day was a blessing. How is it a blessing? Because 
the dark day had to happen because we had to have that conversation. If we wouldn't have had that conversation, then what happened on Friday, five, day five of the challenge could not have happened. And I'm not going into the details of what happened, but the point is this darkest day was needed in order to have this best day. So that is a blessing that you can only count in hindsight, right? And what I want to share with you from that is this. When you're going through things, don't label your story too soon. Like don't don't close the chapter before it's done. God may not be finished, right? Just because it's bad, just hold on. Keep walking by faith. Keep praying. And your the end of your story won't look like the beginning of your story, right? So when you're in the midst of a storm, trust God. I'm telling you. And it's like the older I get. When I say the older I get, let me, let me be clear because when I say the older I get, it sounds like I'm saying, you know, year by year. And that's not what I'm saying. So let me let me choose a different phrase. Right. Uh, it is the older I get. But um, because we're getting older by the minute. Right. So it is the older I get. That's everybody. The older I get, whatever comes after that is true. The older I get, blah, blah, blah. Um, but what I really mean is. Um, well, I don't know what I mean. That's just it. It's, it's the older I get, but it's not over years. It's this year. So, so, so let me not, let me not tie it to age. The more, oh, this is good. The more I submit, I'm sorry, the more I yield my life to Christ and the kingdom, the more that I can see God's will, the more I learn to trust him. And the more I realize, this might sound crazy to you, but the more I realize God know what he's doing and I can stop worrying like for real. Like me and my me and my wife has been we've been, you know, in in one particular storm for going on on two years now. And well, no, not not two years. That's not true. It's been over a year. Um, But man, I now recognize while in the midst of the storm, this is a different storm that I was talking about last week. Right. I recognize that this, I believe, is the catalyst to the next level. Right. So it's not good right now, but I believe it's the next catalyst to the next level in our marriage and in my business. Right. So. So when I ask you who taught you how to count your blessings, I'm telling you. Count your good blessings. That's fine. But 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 the the bad things that you've been through or that you are going through. You may not can count them as a blessing, but don't count count them as a curse just yet. Just hold off. Just hold off until you get out of the storm and then look back and see if it's true for you that if it had not been for that, you would not have gotten this. You feel me? So, yeah. Um, and then there's another uh, I want to share this, too, about this. This um, and this just happened. And this is the kind of blessing that I think all of us um like, let me just share it. So, so Brittany Griner just got out of prison in Russia. Okay. If you don't know, Brittany Griner is a WNBA player. Uh, she's tall, right? She dunks the ball. Like she's a girl who dunks the ball. And, uh, actually my daughter, my daughter, um, played basketball. Um, what did they, did she play in that game? I'm not sure. So, so, Brittany went to Nimitz. Actually, me and Brittany went to the same school. 
but just not at the same time, right? I, I went in 1986, so um, we didn't go at the same time. But anyway, Brittany went to Nimitz, and my daughter went to Dulles. So at Dulles, they had another All-American named Kelsey Bone, right? Kelsey was like 6'5", I believe. And I don't know how, I don't know how tall Brittany Griner is. She's taller than that. But uh, so when Kelsey Bone and, and, and Brittany Griner were on the schedule to play, I'm sorry, Nimitz and Dulles, on the schedule to play, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to that game. Now, why is that important? Your daughter play. You should go to the game. Well, so here's the thing about Houston. For those of you who are listening and not in the city, um, when it comes to so Houston is a big city and people who live on the south side don't really go to the north side unless it's extremely necessary. And people who live on the north side don't go to the south side unless it's extremely necessary. Why? Because Houston is big and that is over an hour drive. And if you add in Houston traffic, it can be almost two hours just to get from one side of town to the other. Right. So. Uh, when my daughter was playing, I went to the games, but if, if you know, if they played out of town or on the north side, then I probably, unless it was the playoffs, I probably was not going to go because that's far. Like the bus will bring you back. I'll pick you up at the school. But anyway, with this game, I'm like, oh, I want to go see this girl they've been talking about at Nimitz that can dunk the ball. I, had, I didn't even remember her name. I just knew it was a girl that can dunk the ball and everybody was talking about her. So we drive out there. And like during the warm, she did, she dunked the ball during the warm ups. I'm like, wow, man, she is tall. So anyway, uh, I think I can't remember who won the game. It was a good game, whatever. So, so like, I remember Brittany from high school. So she goes on, you know, WNBA. I forgot what, I don't know what college she went to. Cause I, I didn't really follow her like that. Like my daughter didn't play at the next level. So I was pretty much done with women's basketball, unfortunately. Sorry. But she played in WNBA, you know, uh, Brittany granted and, and, you know, like that. So so I've known of her for a while. But earlier this year, she is in uh, Russia and she gets arrested. And not only does she get arrested, she goes to court and gets convicted and sentenced to nine years. To me, that is absolutely crazy. Now, let me set the scene for you. I want to I set this blessing up for you. Brittany Griner is a triple minority. What does that mean? She is a female. She's black, you know, African-American, and she's homosexual, right? That's a triple minority. So here's this triple minority from the racist South of America in a foreign country arrested and convicted of a crime. How's she going to get home? Like, huh? if, if a situation is impossible. Now, I understand. I completely understand how the commentaries and everybody else, no one, you know, thought that the situation was hopeless. You know, they were saying, oh, we trade prisoners and now we're going to do all that. Okay. I'm saying if I was her, for me, I would have been terrified. I would have probably felt hopeless because like, I hear what y'all saying, but like I seen the movie taken and I don't have nobody to come get me. Right. So, so what do I do? Like, how am I going to see my family again? You know, I heard she has a wife. How am I going to see my wife again? Like, what do I do to go from that to less than a year later, you're back home in Texas. Listen, let me tell you something. If that were me, 
I would have no choice but to give my life to Christ and live the rest of my life serving him and preaching his gospel. Like, how, how do you how do you how do you conclude anything else? Like based on the circumstances, I would not be able to conclude anything other than the fact that God moved on my behalf. Like how I, I would be able to come to no other conclusion. And the fact that you would move on my behalf that way, I have no choice but to serve you with the rest of my life. I would be evangelist grinder, let me tell you that. I would be traveling the country with a Bible, preaching about God's grace and his mercy. That's what I would be doing. Because I I, I can't explain it. Like, I, I would not be able to. That's the only explanation I would have. And I know, I know there are folk who are not Christian. There are folk who don't believe in God and whatever. And they think, you know, well, you know, I mean, we traded her for a prisoner. And, like, we do this all the time. And it's not a God thing. It's not that big of a deal. Do you understand she's a triple minority? Do you understand she's a triple minority in a country I love my country, by the way, but she's a triple minority in a country that uh, has a history of racism, has a history of mistreating all the minorities in all three of the groups that she's a part of, a history. And then she is from a place that has historically been racist in the historical country that it is in, like Texas and in the South has historically, uh, the South is historically more racist than the rest of the country, historically. And she's from the South. So with all that in mind, she's not no diplomat, right? She's not no political figure. She has no power anywhere. Well, she's in the WNBA. When's the last time you watched the WNBA game? Like most people don't know who, most people didn't know who Britney was until she got arrested. So yeah, she's a celebrity, so to speak, but that's just because of her name. She ain't got the power or the clout to back that up. Like she's she's basically a regular human like the rest of us. And she's trapped in another country. And so God orchestrates, we call it we call it his providence. God orchestrates it in a way because God moves on the hearts of men. That's how he operates. And so on the surface to the naked eye, to the natural eye, it may look like or well, it's just two countries making a deal. But do you understand that the Bible, that the God of the Bible is not random? The God of the Bible does not do happenstance. Like the God of the Bible, the Bible is clear that God is in control of everything. There's nothing outside of his control. And because of that, if it was his will, he could have made that whole deal fall apart. He could have had he could have allowed her to be raped and killed in prison like a whole lot of could a whole lot of things could have happened other than this result. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so that means to me, God had to be moving on her side. So now in the midst, like, you know, 10 months ago when she got arrested and when is in prison, it may look like, man, this is terrible. This is this is going to be bad. But in hindsight. And I don't know what her, you know, what her belief is. I don't know what her, how her mindset is. But um, for me, that's why I'm putting myself in her shoes. If it were me 
when I got back here, I would be counting Russia as a blessing because it would have been Russia, that whole experience that has now put me on the track. And I'm like, Paul, I'm preaching the gospel around the country. Uh, Y'all would be calling me uh, Bible thumper, um, born again, uh, like, you know, uh, Jesus fanatic. You'd be calling me all of that because I wouldn't care because he, he came and got me like a movie and brought me back home. I don't have a choice, but to, but to, so, so whatever I got going on in my life, that's not fitting for him. All that's gone. Like, like whatever lifestyle I'm living, that's not pleasing to him. That's, that's over. Right. Any, any, any character issues I have, like I'm working on all that. Why? Because I owe him my life. Right. Now that's what a biblical Christian would, 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 how, that's how a biblical Christian would think. But that also then brings up another question for me, though. It brings up the question for these evangelical Christians. And I say evangelical, not biblical. Okay? So let me be clear about what I'm saying. Uh, in what I'm saying here, I'm saying that the evangelical Christians that I am talking about in what I'm saying are different from the Christians in the Bible and the Christianity that the Bible promotes, okay? So the evangelical Christians, they spew a lot of hate towards the homosexual community, right? They, they, they spew a lot of hate in the name of God. But riddle me this, Batman, if your God condones the hate that you spew towards the homosexual community, how then do you explain God moving on behalf of this young lady who is homosexual to get her back home to her family? How, how do you explain that? And watch this. If you say, well, that's, the, that's because that's just by chance. That's not an act of God. Then, okay, I would say, Thank you. You're proving what I just said. You're not a biblical Christian because a biblical Christian knows there's no such thing as randomness with God. And if something like that happened, God had to orchestrate it. It just things don't just happen on this planet that way. So now you got to choose. Do you love the people that God loves? Or do you stay in your religion, re religiosity? continue to spew hate for your own political and personal agenda, right? Are you going to love people like God said, or are you going to hate people? Are you going to love people like God said, or are you just going to be legalistic? Because what cannot be denied, at least to me, is the fact that God moved on behalf of this young lady, and he did not tell her, hey, you need to be straight before I deliver you. Now, when I say that, let me be also clear, right? Because uh, I just heard Darius Daniel say, I can't be, I can only be held accountable for what I say. I cannot be held accountable for your interpretation, right? But let me be as clear as possible. The Bible does not at all condone homosexuality, and neither do I, okay? Let me just be clear about that. The Bible says the homosexuality is a sin, as a matter of fact, it says in abomination, it is unnatural. Okay. So uh don't want think don't don't want you to think that I'm promoting homosexuality. I do believe I believe it's a sin. 
I believe stealing is a sin. I believe fornication, heterosexual fornication is a sin, just like adultery. Right. So um, I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about the person, the human being. Right. See, God loves people. And God wants to save people. If you give God your heart, he'll deal with your stuff. Right. If you bring people to Jesus, Jesus will deal with their stuff. We want to get we want to clean folk up before we bring in a Jesus. That's not your that's not that's not the call we got. That's not a part of our assignment. Your assignment is to preach the gospel. Tell them about Jesus. God can do his own work like he God is the one that changes hearts. But what are you going to do, evangelical Christians who believe that God hates homosexuals and anybody that's not like you when here he is moving heaven and earth, so to speak, heaven and earth to get this young lady home? How do you how do you explain that? Because if you say that Satan did it, then I'm where do you get that theology from? What what makes you think? So what what what's his agenda? That's that's Satan looking out for Satan. Uh, okay, 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 evangelical Christian, if you say so. But I don't think that lines up with the Bible. Okay, so 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 that's a blessing to me. Now, who taught you how to count your blessings? Because a blessing is so what is a blessing anyway by the by the way and i think about that uh, i remember dr the late dr michael p williams taught on blessings and he said um a blessing is an impartation of god's character into the life of the believer and it sounds good but i don't really know what that means i'm sure i could figure out what it means and dissect it but i don't know what it means enough to me turn around and teach it to you i just call it a blessing like i know i know a blessing when i see one it's for my good and I rec- I'm mature enough to know that for my good doesn't mean feel good all the time. Just like when kids don't like to eat broccoli, it's for your good, even though it don't taste good. OK, so I, I recognize that. But, man, I want you to get into the habit of counting your blessings. Why do you want to count your blessings? Because I'm going to tell you what stays at the forefront of your mind. Um, your problems. Your problems stay on your mind. And because we're going through life, Jesus said in this life, you will have tribulations, but be of good courage. I've overcome the world. You're going to have trouble in this life. And if you stay focused on what you're going through and what you've been through, you'll never be able to see what God is doing or wants to do in your life, which means then you're going to live a life that's limited. Right. And I'm I'm trying to encourage you not to live a life that is limited, but live a life that is whole and free and 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 a life full of counted blessings. Right. So what does it mean to count your blessings? It just means to to pause and just think about all he's done. Just take inventory. Right. Just take inventory of what God has done in your life. No, your life hasn't been perfect. That's probably your doing. Okay, the Bible says that uh, I think it's in Proverbs 19. It says that men ruin their lives themselves and then they blame God and then they're angry at God. And that happens all the time. I know I've done it and I've been in I've been in church since I was seven. And I know I've blamed some of my mistakes on God. So, you know, that (laughs) that that scripture is true. That does happen. But, you know, you know, count your blessings. So there's there's a scripture in. Philippians, Philippians 4, 
I believe six and seven. Here's what it says. It says, be anxious for nothing. Well, I like this version. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Right? Now, when it says that, what does it say don't worry about? Don't worry about anything. What's outside of anything? Nothing. And then it says, instead of worrying, pray about everything. What's outside of everything? Nothing. So it says, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And then it says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Did you catch it? I'm going to say it again. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Thanking God for what he has done is a version of counting your blessings because I can't thank God for what he's done if I don't think about what God has done. And as I think about it, I'm counting it. You feel me? So counting your blessing is about thinking about all that God has done for you. But here's the thing. When you do that, verse seven, the Bible says, then you will experience God's peace. Okay. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. And it says that this peace exceeds anything we can understand. And this peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ. Now, Here's the question. Where did the peace come from? Folks say it came from God. So let me read it again. Let me think. Let me, let me, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Then you will experience God's peace, which sees anything, his peace. No, it don't say that God is going to give you anything. It did not say. So, so I'm going to read it again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for for all he has done. Then you will. It does not say then God will give you his peace. It says then you will experience God's peace, which surpasses all understanding. How then does this peace just show up? It's right there. We just read it in the verse. Tell God what you need. This part. Thank him for all he has done. So wait a minute. You're saying. If I count my blessings, I then can have God's peace. Yes. I want. Did you know that? All you got to do is count your blessings. Let me tell you why. Because it's a very practical reason why this happens. Here's why you experience God's peace. Because when you so he says, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. So when you worry, what's magnified in your mind? Your problem. When you worry, your problem your storm, your situation is magnified in your mind. And watch this. The more you think about the problem, the bigger it gets in your mind. And that's where the worry comes from. But Paul said, hey, don't do that. Pray. Okay. Instead of worrying, pray. Well, what should I pray about? Two things. Tell him what you need. Like tell him where you are and what you need. Lord, I need to be rescued. Okay, great. But then thank him for what he's already done. That means pull up in your mind, your memory bank, and start counting the blessings. So then, remember I told you, when, when you're focused on the problem, it's magnified in your mind. So Paul says here, don't do that. Pray and magnify God in your mind. Meaning, start and when you start counting your blessings, when you start counting your blessings, uh, God then becomes magnified in your mind. 
The more you think about what God has done, the bigger God becomes to you. And so watch this. The bigger God becomes, the smaller your problems become. So now your God is so magnified that your problems are so infantile that peace comes over you. Why? Because you recognize my God is so big. I ain't got to worry about nothing. My God is so big. I don't have to worry about the storm that I'm in because look how big my God is. This is just one little blip in my life. That's what happens when you count blessings. And so I'm trying to tell you, count your blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings and see what God has done. I pray that this was helpful for you. And I pray God's most ridiculous blessings over your life.